Welcome to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Pearl. We're less than 80 days out from the opening ceremonies of the Beijing Winter Olympics. Meeting with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau this week at the White House, President Joe Biden was asked if he supported a diplomatic boycott of the Games. Something we're considering. Neither he nor the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki elaborated. The comment comes after reports that tennis player Peng Shui disappeared shortly after making sexual assault allegations against a top Chinese government official two weeks ago. The Chinese government released an email allegedly from Shui calling the allegations not true, but the statement has raised more concerns about her safety. Underway this week, the U.S. Olympic curling team trials in Omaha, Nebraska. Men's, women's and mixed team bids are up for grabs. You may remember in 2018, the U.S. men's curling team won gold. In Poland last week, Brittany Bow won gold in the 1,000-meter long track speed skating World Cup opener. She won bronze in South Korea in 2018. On the men's side, Olympian Joey Mancia took bronze in the 1,500 meter. The U.S. skated away with five medals in total. This week, the International Olympic Committee announced in a six-page document a new framework for competing transgender and intersex athletes. No longer will policies require athletes to undergo, quote, medically unnecessary treatments or procedures like hormone level modifications. The IOC called the move grounded on the respect for internationally recognized human rights. Before 2015, transgender athletes were required to have genital surgery to qualify for their respective sports. In 2015, the rules changed to put a limit on testosterone levels. Those rules have now been lifted. In this week's Athlete Spotlight, we turn to ski jumping. 25-year-old Chicago-area native Kevin Bickner is eyeing his second Olympic performance. But one year ago, his journey was very much in doubt. It was a year ago. I saw you posted uh, on your social media accounts. Uh, that you decided that it would be best to step back and not compete this year, being last year. Uh, You Mm -hmm. didn't feel like you'd be able to maintain the same level of training uh, as in the past and did not think you were at a high enough level to compete on World Cup. I will miss not competing, but I'm looking forward to getting back next season. What kind of what was what was your mindset uh, last year at this time? Um, I was just really struggling with a lot of things, Uh, one being burnout. I'd been spending so much time away from home and I was kind of struggling to find the right motivation to uh, compete as best as I could. And I wasn't really jumping as well as I had in the past. And I knew if I continued that my whole season was going to go like that. And so I just figured that the best thing I needed for my jumping was to take the season off and come back with, um, with like a new attitude and um, like a newfound passion for what I was doing. So I think it was the right decision and I'm really glad I made it. Did it have anything to do with the pandemic or was it just kind of where you were at as far as mentally uh, going into this next season? The pandemic definitely had some things to do with it. Like um, it made it so much harder to travel around internationally and we kind of had to stay put for a lot of it. And because we normally train most of the year in Slovenia, I had to go over to Europe um, in the summer. And I pretty much had to stay there uh, for the next several months. And I couldn't go home or see anyone. And it was pretty locked down over there, uh, more so than the U.S. too. So um, I was I was just really struggling with being able to, um, like, be a normal person. And that was affecting my jumping. Is this similar to what we saw with um, Simone Biles uh, over the summer and, and 
which just like mentally she was kind of blocked. And obviously in a sport where it's very dangerous, you don't want to be, you know, in that situation where all of a sudden you don't realize where you're at or what you're doing, or you don't feel confident in what you're doing. I mean, is it similar to that or was, was there a little bit of difference? No, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's, it's probably not the same, but I definitely see some similarities. Uh, when she first came out with that, I saw that a lot of people were, you know, saying she made the right decision. A lot of people were kind of giving her a hard time. And I think that for those people that gave her a hard time, they don't understand what it takes to be an Olympic level athlete. And then um, if the sport you're doing is dangerous, if you're not feeling a hundred percent about what you're doing, then you know, you're taking a big risk and you being an athlete, being a good athlete is knowing when to stop. So what changed then from the time that you decided to take a break to the time when you started getting back into it and planning for, for Beijing? I think I was just able to like reset everything. Um, I was feeling a lot more fresh. Uh, I was feeling really determined to do well this winter and I just wanted to have the best season that I could leading up to the Olympics because really that's like the time you want to peak at. Was there a concern that you were going to kind of fall out of standing or, or not pick up where you left off by taking some time off? Yeah, absolutely. And I expected not to come back at the level um, that I left at. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard um, to be an Olympic athlete. You have to, be constantly training year round. And if you stop for a little bit, you definitely have some regression. So I did have a bit of, of struggle in the beginning of the spring. Um, and I, I knew I would, but it took a lot of hard work and a lot of time put into the sport. And I have been making steady progress ever since. Uh, I think both myself and my coaches are pleased with the progress I've been making. And, you know, the Olympics are still a few months away. The world cup's coming up. I definitely have some more progress I want to make, but I'm happy with where I'm at right now. Well, what did you, how did your coaches react? How did your family react? How did the people close to you react when, when you made this decision? They were pretty supportive of me. Um, you know, being an athlete your whole life, it's one of the hardest decisions to make is to step away from the sport, you know, so well, and I was unsure what kind of reaction I was going to get, but everyone who was involved seemed to be really supportive. They thought I was making the right decision and they could see that it was something that I needed. All right. So you competed four years ago uh, for the mm -hmm. Olympics. Well, what's different this time about you personally, then well, what do you know? What do you do? How do you train? Like what's different this time around compared to, to 2018? You know, 2018, it was a learning experience, almost um, a lot of new experiences I wasn't really sure what it was going to be like. And now that I'm four years older, four years more experienced, um, this isn't the first time for me doing it. I know what to expect. I can plan a lot better. Um, and I've had that much more time to work on my jumping. How much, how much of this sport, I mean, we all see it and we're all amazed because none of us could do it, but how much of this sport is mental versus physical? Mental is huge in ski jumping uh, because it's such a technical sport and you have a split second that can make the difference between a good jump and a bad jump. And so uh, you have to be really focused. You have to learn how to perform under pressure. Um, if you screw up, there's no chance to like 
fix it. You know, it's, you're really only doing the sport for about 10 to 15 seconds. And so I think, um, mental plays a huge part of it. And obviously with all sports, um, being physically fit is definitely important and it's something we work on a lot, but I think that's what separates good jumpers from great jumpers. You know, it's interesting because you've got the physical aspect and the mental aspect of it. And I'm sure that they're never the same through someone's career, right? Mm-hmm. You might get yeah, constantly changing. You might get better. You might get more confidence. You may get less confidence as you get older. You know, maybe mm-hmm. when you're younger, you just, you just jump and you don't think about it. But as you get older, you start thinking more about it. Kind of where are you at right now in your career as far as that goes, the physical aspect as well as the mental aspect? Um, you know, the mental you're always working on. And I think this is true for every jumper. It's, it's never consistent. It goes up and down. Um, and a lot of it has to do with how they feel they're jumping at the time. Uh, when you feel like you're doing well, uh, you're, you go into it really confident you can, uh, stay focused and make sure that you're performing how you need to perform. Um, and the physical aspect of it, I mean, do you, are you getting stronger? Are you changing anything as you, as you progress and age? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're constantly tracking strength and, um, other things that are physically important for ski jumping, uh, like flexibility, weight, um, those sort of things. Um, you know, we're always trying to improve on that. Does it get easier or harder? You're not old by any means. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, have you noticed that it's a little, little longer to, to warm up or, or a little more time to recover than, than previously? Um, no, not so much, but I think that I take more time with that anyway. Um, I think it's a learning progress, um, to kind of discover what works better for you and how to be physically prepared for events. And I, I think I take more time and make sure that I'm more prepared than I used to. And I think that comes with an experience thing. Like I'm four years older than the last games and I feel like I'm, uh, I've matured more and I'm more prepared. What is training like for you? I mean, is it just jump, 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 or is, is there, I would assume more to it. Are you trying to hit a certain point at the right time with your jumps? Um, I mean, as far as what numbers you're getting, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of track athletes and, you know, they don't just run the same way every time they're trying to build right. up to a certain point. Is that what, is that very similar mm-hmm. to what you're trying to do? So there are so many little technical things that make such a huge difference with ski jumping and you put them all together and that ultimately makes your jump. And so from the moment you get off the bar to the moment you land, there's every second is some sort of thing you can change to make your jump better or worse. And so uh, we get very technical with it. We're constantly analyzing videos um, trying to change something every single jump to improve our jumps, changing your position like one inch um, when you're going down the in run, that can be the difference of several meters. So we we're constantly working on that. And then for the physical side of training, uh, we do a lot of strength training, a lot of uh, like weights or plyometrics, a lot of quick, quick, quick twitch muscle strengthening uh flexibility is huge um balance and agility uh there's just a lot of different things that that we work on is is technology playing a role in how you do things and how you train and what you see and and kind of how you research 
I think all sports, um, you know, recently are using more and more technology. I don't think that ski jumping uses any more than other sports necessarily. Um, what I do see advances in um, more so than like technology using for training, but equipment has come such a long way in the last 10 years. And there's a lot of things that are changing with our equipment that are, that makes our jumping better. It sounds like Lake Placid is where the, uh, the qualifiers are going to be right. Mm-hmm. Later. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it sounds like the U S it, it sounds like the facility is absolutely beautiful. I mean, are we at a point in the U S where we're, right up there with maybe European nations, maybe Asian nations, as far as the quality of equipments, the quality of performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it wasn't always like that for a long time. We were way behind, but we've definitely been putting a lot of effort to catch up to them. And especially you mentioned this facility in Lake Placid, they just opened it up this last week. And I actually uh, got to take some of the first jumps on those brand new hills and they're incredible uh state-of-the-art facility for sure um and i think you're going to see our guys training there a lot more often i think that they want to have some world cup events in the near future and i think that they'll be able to pull that off because it's an amazing venue you think they'll have the olympics there again i don't know if they'll be able to have the olympics there um just because the town is so small it probably wouldn't it would probably be really hard to pull off but i do think that they're capable of hosting other high level events. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to do the Nordic world championships. I think that would be an excellent venue for that. So where, where are we at right now for the U S I mean, are, are you feeling good that we'll be in metal contention for, for the events come, uh, come Beijing? I think we'll be closer than last time for sure. Uh, we have uh, a really young team of guys who have a lot of potential um, I'm actually like the oldest one on the team now, as opposed to what I've been used to for most of my career. Um, so I think this is definitely more of a building year and you're going to see a lot of new faces um, and a lot of, a lot of young talent. Um, so maybe the metal focus is more on 26, but I'm definitely not saying it's out of contention. What was 2018 like? Walk me through it. Cause I, I haven't talked to you since then. I mean, tell me about the experience you had and, and your performance and all of the fun stuff that went along with being an Olympian. Yeah, no, it was incredible. Um, it was a really unique experience, uh, much different from any other competition that I've been involved with. Uh, I, lo- I loved being part of team USA and being there with athletes from my country who participate in all other sports and the venue was incredible. Um, my performance, actually, I wasn't sure how I was going to do. Um, it started off kind of a rocky year, and I was able to start jumping much better probably a month leading up to the Olympics. Um, and after the first event, I kind of surprised myself with a really good jump and ended up getting 18th place in the normal hill. And I was... Yeah, it wasn't close to a medal, but it was much better than I had been jumping in the World Cup leading up to that. And I was pretty satisfied with that result. And yeah, I, I, it helped me know that I am capable of performing really well at those high-level events. 
if you are able to qualify and you head to Beijing, it's going to be a much different experience than what you had in 2018 with all of yes, the, that's what I've heard. Yeah, with all the process in place. First mm-hmm. of all, I mean, do you do you feel uh, based on the competitions you've been a part of and and what you're hearing on the ground in Beijing, do you feel that it will be a safe games for the athletes to compete in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, everything I've heard from reading articles about Beijing and from the meetings I've had with the USOPC, it seems like they're going to be extremely cautious and we're essentially going to be living in a bubble and only interacting with those that we're directly involved with. So I'm not too nervous about safety. But it kind of stinks that you're not going to be able to head onto the the ice rink and see Patrick Kane or, or you know, go check right. out the venue or anything like that. Yeah, I'm I'm bummed about that. It'll definitely be a different experience and a very unique Olympic experience. Um, that was one of my favorite parts after competing was going to watch other Team USA members compete in their events and you know cheer them on. That was part of the whole Olympic experience, and I'm really bummed out that we're not going to be able to have that this time around. But um, you know. It's still the Olympics, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't you can't say no to that. Well, walk me through the pandemic a little bit. For uh, uh, I know you made the decision in November of 2020 not to, um, you know, to, to take a year off essentially. Mm-hmm. But what was what were the months like after? I mean, we all have our pandemic stories from from the onset. Where were you at? Did you have to hunker down? Were you able to go back home? Kind of walk me through those those couple months. So I was actually in northern Norway and city called Trondheim and we were kind of wrapping up the second to last um, week of the season there was this big 10-day tournament that goes around Norway and I woke up to a call from one of my teammates uh, who was in Sylvania at the time freaking out because he just heard that the U.S. decided to close their borders and we were going to be stuck over in Europe so it was straight panic from like the moment I woke up and they announced that they were canceling the rest of the world cup season. And everyone was kind of running around trying to figure out logistics and how to get home. And for most of these guys, they were just going from Scandinavia to central Europe. So it wasn't like a big deal, but I had all my stuff um, for the season in Slovenia at the apartment I was living at that winter. And I was in Norway and had to get home somehow. So I had to fly that night from Trondheim to Oslo, spend the night in Oslo, then fly to Slovenia and flying back from Slovenia. They, my flights kept getting canceled. I kept getting rerouted all in all. It took me four days and seven flights to get back to Utah. That's crazy. And I assume then, was it just playing Xbox for the next couple months? I mean, were you able to... Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of time just sitting in my room, Netflix, and, you know, I tried to get out of the house whenever I could, go on runs or go do some skiing. Did you, did you was, pick up anything? Did you, did you learn how to knit or cook or anything like that? No, not so much. I, I should have done more of that, but I was, I was uh, really trying to just stay outside as much as I could, so I did some, some ski touring and went on a lot of hikes, um, that was, that was something easier about being in the mountains for the pandemic rather than being in Chicago was that there was a lot more options to do things outside and still be distanced from people. Um, but then after that initial like scare in the spring, I did 
uh, drive back to Chicago to visit a couple of family and friends after a while. And it was, it was quite different um, not being able to really do anything because, you know, it's so, it's so populated and there's not a lot of like space outside to keep a distance. All right. So walk me through the next couple months for you here. You've, you've, you've got to, does the U S already have qualifying bids and it's just a matter of filling out the team or, or does the U S still have to qualify certain places for the games? So um, we currently have two spots that we qualified from this last year. And I think it's feasible to get two more spots qualified. Um, and I'm expecting myself to get one of those qualifying positions. Um, I think I just need to get a couple decent results in world cup before late January and uh, I'll have to have another teammate do the same thing because you can only qualify one spot for your team. Each, each team member has to qualify an individual spot. Um, but I, I think it's very feasible that we'll get a full team of four. Are, are the big nations, I assume just because of terrain, is it mostly European countries that, that tend to lead the way? It is. Um, it's definitely a culture thing too. Ski jumping is huge over there and it has been for so many years. And so everyone knows what it is. A lot of kids go through the programs and they have these really solid organizations set in place. And the U S just doesn't have that. We don't have the exposure that some of those countries have. We don't have uh, the facilities that they do. Although that is, as I was saying earlier, getting much better. And yeah, the experience, um, you know, when you are finding success, it's easier to continue having success. And we're just trying to be able to catch up and get that success so that we can maintain it. No added pressure to you, but I would assume that success in the Olympics would likely mean success with the sport moving forward, introducing new generations of kids. Oh, absolutely. Do you, do you feel that at all? I mean, do you, do you say, I'm, I'm really hoping to do well, not just for myself, but to, to try to, you know, put this sport on the map in the United States. Yeah. I'd love that. You know, I always want to be a good ambassador for the sport and doing well at an event like the Olympics. One of the few times that Americans witness the sport would be huge. Um, it'd give a lot of exposure it'd create a lot of excitement. And I think that a lot of kids, when they see someone on TV, win that gold medal, they're like, I want to do that. And so then they try to get involved with the same sport. It's, it sounds very exciting because if I'm correct, you're competing on Christmas Day, right? And that's going to yeah. be nationally televised. I mean, that will be, yeah. I mean, we're all just going to be sitting there in our pajamas. So, I mean, that, that could be a great opportunity to introduce yourself and, and the sport to a lot of people. Absolutely. I'm excited about that event. Um, I think the Olympic trials is so cool. And I was really excited to be a part of it four years ago. Uh, I, you know, it, it's, it's great exposure for the sport. <clears throat> and, you know, for a lot of people, they're seeing it for the first time or they didn't really know it was still a thing. So um, I love to have a solid performance there and really pump up the crowd and excite everyone who's sitting at home watching on TV. Have you ever been to Beijing before? I've not. I've never been to China. This will be my first time. How do you, how do you kind of mentally prepare for the Olympics? Do you picture yourself there? Are you, are you when you're not competing or you're not training are you thinking to yourself okay i'm imagining myself in beijing i'm imagining myself you know landing going to the olympic village or is that too overwhelming do you need to just kind of think about what's what you have to do that day 
Yeah, I, I try to focus on what I need to do to get there and not actually being there. Although, in a sense, I do expect myself to be there. And I kind of carry that with, into my training. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make the Olympics. I'm going to make the Olympics. And I think that that helps me prepare for it and just really focusing on what I need to do to get there. The U.S. Olympic ski jumping trials will be held in Lake Placid on Christmas Day, and it will be televised nationally. We're going to take a short break over the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be back the following week with another episode of Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll see you then.